Grandpa Jim Motivation Central Station. I hope you are all prospering, <laughs> succeeding, conquering, achieving. <laughs> but don't be relaxing too much. No, we need some relaxation. Had a wonderful weekend. Got to see my two-year-old grandson interact with my 93-year-old father. And uh, just an awesome sight to see, you know. Two legends. Uh, (laughs) If you knew them personally, you'd know what I'm talking about. Just two wonderful people. Uh, My father raised me and my siblings. And, uh, you know... I'm very emotionally attached to that man, you know, so uh, it is. Uh, it was great to be with him and uh, actually hung out with a bunch of my grandkids this week, so it was amazing. Um, you know, family first people, jobs like fifth on the list, you know, um, and this culture will tell you to flip it the other way, you know, usually we'll talk about goal setting on here. And I, I hope you, you know, have set some goals as you've been hanging out with me on these podcasts. And I definitely, you know, hope you're working towards them. And, uh, you know, maybe just by bringing this up, if you're off of them, you know, um, don't beat yourself up. Um, you know, we're talking about the uh, you, New Year's resolutions and how that really uh, doesn't last, you know. And then we talked about resources. Um, I wrote a book called What Color Is Your Brain Scan? The answer is in your head and habits. And that actually has, it's a workbook and you can keep your goals going. And then it reminds you to check every couple of weeks to make sure you're on the path. Um, but what I want to really talk about tonight is um, I'm, I'm doing this podcast in the evening, which is unusual for me, but I watched uh, part of the um, Oprah Winfrey interview with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. And, uh, you know, um, you know, I got to give the girl a lot of props. I know the media. I know, you know, I saw a little bit of social media a semi-famous, you know, reality star is trying to, you know, take aim at Meghan Markle about complaining about being, you know, in in the, you know, this castle, castle and, you know, this quote-unquote privileged life. And, you know, um, through uh, one of my businesses, uh, we work a lot on people's homes, you know, so I run the comedy college and uh, I've been doing that for 21 years, stand-up comedy school. And when 2006 rolled around, I had to switch jobs. I went from being a television producer, producing like half-hour infomercials, and we couldn't give that product away any longer. And there were some good and bad in that. And so I ended up getting into a hardcore labor task business of cleaning gutters in the Milwaukee area. And I absolutely love it on a few levels. One, it's really hard, strenuous work. And I like to get involved in it. Um, 
and and do some of the work and uh you know i really like the um energy that i have to expand but the thing i like the most about the business is there's a really super high demand so when i was in advertising constantly chasing people and uh you know they'd do an infomercial for six months or a year or three months and then you were always chasing, you know, to get new clients uh, to survive. And in this business, you know, it's the opposite. The phone rings and people, I, I give this example. I do this person he owns. He's a psychiatrist and he has multiple, uh, you know, multiple multi-family dwellings. And every one of them is a uh, some type of social work enterprise from people with cognitive disabilities to people uh, with substance abuse. And I, I picked up on, you know, as I went around and we were doing these uh, jobs for this gentleman, I picked up that, you know, he was, uh, you know, having these social work enterprises and I knew, I figured out that one of them was, a, you know, drug and alcohol recovery uh, house, which I have a license for. And so I pitched him on the idea of me working for him there as a counselor. And, you know, that conversation didn't go too far because <laughs> a gutter cleaning person is harder to find than a truck and alcohol counselor. Uh, so anyway, um, for some of you that follow this, you know, I work in mental health. And so, you know, in the thing that, you know, to me, like, you know, the racism stuff was shocking. Uh, Megan Markle said that, you know, there were discussions about, you know, about the baby and the um, skin color, the tone and all this nonsense, which is utterly nonsense. Like if you're trying to protect that old institution, you know, that makes the racism in our country, you know, um, you know, look, um, you know, racism is just bad on any level. You know what I'm saying? And uh, like Megan was saying, that the Commonwealth, the UK Commonwealth that went and conquered these countries and took them over, 60 to 70 percent are uh, countries of color. You know, they own a lot of countries in, um, you know, in Africa, in uh, India, you know. And so, like she was saying, she, she thought she was going to be like this ambassador, you know, that people could relate to the monarchy uh, more, you know, and give little girls the dream of dreaming that I'm a person of color and, you know, my life is not limited by my skin color. <laughs> so, uh, but the most earth shattering thing that she said was when she was suicidal and this uh, semi, uh, you know, famous reality stars taking a shot at her that this castle is, you know, everything it's meant to be. And, you know, I guess that's where I was going with that story about the gutter cleaning is 
you know, there were homes in our area on Lake Drive, and those are on Lake Michigan. And if you have property on the lake shore of Michigan and Milwaukee, those are, you know, multi, multi million dollar homes, you know, and, uh, so, you know, I couldn't wait to work on these, and I have worked on several of them. And the very first one, though, I was telling this homeowner of this gorgeous uh, mansion how beautiful it was. It was an older property, and and he said, you know, Jim, everybody that comes down this street, you know, they all think it's great to live here. He says, but let me tell you, Every one of these things needs so much work. And every time they need work, you need a special person with a special trade. And so they all look great from the street curb, you know. And so I like that realistic analogy of that. And then um, also, um, you know, you look at Robin Williams. And when I made the film about and I don't want this to come off like this is a podcast to sell product because I, I any of the products that I have I make tiny amounts of money on them. Uh, if a book gets sold I make a dollar or two so it's not like I'm here to financially do anything but I need a source to get my products out there and Amazon is my source for getting it out there and they have minimum charges because they want to make their money. So I put all these books down at a very bargain basement price just to get them in people's hands. And um, so uh, the film that I made is in the same category. It's on Amazon and it's about mental health and stand-up comedy and you know, the main person in there was suicidal, you know, and I was suicidal once, you know, and, you know, I'm disclosing this for the first time publicly. And because if you don't speak up about it, like the last person I was going to talk to, I'm like, this guy will never understand me. He was a sponsor of mine from a recovery program that I met four years before. And um, I don't want to get into too many details, but I'm just going to say this is that I thought this is my last phone call and nobody on earth is going to understand this situation and myself. And within 10 minutes, the guy had me, you know, talked off the ledge of the building. I was not on the ledge of the building, but I was, uh, definitely, uh, in Meghan Markle's uh, thing where it was not just, you know, thoughts. It was starting to roll into action. And so we never take suicide lightly. But anyways, this person had me laughing and understood me. And he went through the exact same situation. And I thought my higher power brought me and this gentleman together four years prior just for that afternoon Uh you know, and so this stuff is not to be taken lightly, but that film covers, you know, Robin Williams' death when you look at him, and um, then it follows a guy that came to my stand-up comedy class that I found out that was coping with a lot of mental health stuff, and so the second half of the film is about, um, I have a theory in the film that Comedians can get laughed out, Rodney Dangerfield. It's like a drug for comedians. The more laughs you can get, uh, 
But eventually, Rodney Dangerfield talked about how he was not feeling the laughs anymore because people, you know, when comics start out, they they usually maybe get half of their jokes home. So if they tell, you know, 10 jokes, they'll get five. That's a great comedian, right? But when you get to the level of these pro of pros, people laugh at everything you say. So Rodney talked about he, how he couldn't feel it anymore. So I have a theory that people can get laughed out. It's a drug. It's It can be a drug just like a drug drug. <laughs> Um, you know, where it doesn't work anymore. People start shooting heroin because it feels good. And in the end, they're shooting heroin because it's the only way they can feel normal again, you know. So, you know, I think that played into Robin Williams, you know. So, um, but, uh, so you might want to check that film out. It's called Laugh Addict, Toxic Drug, or Best Medicine. So, the opposite of tragedy is opportunity. So what uh, Megan disclosed with Oprah Winfrey about her being suicidal and that if she was going to be left alone, she was going to commit suicide. I look at that as being, you know, um, an opportunity to open up. And then tonight, just before I came on here, we have a local mental health hospital that is actually advertising, number one. You went to see that a few years back. So our culture is moving forward, but they actually have people that were there, you know, and they're giving their, um, you know, their good talks about how their experience was at this hospital. You know, and they're putting themselves out there, and it's not a shame anymore. And this is how I feel about, um, you know, anonymous programs, right? I go to some anonymous programs. And that's cool, and I protect everybody's anonymity. And but on the other hand, I blow my anonymity all the time because I want people to know about mental health. If you are struggling for a second, you need to reach out and talk to somebody. We don't know, like that last phone call I made that day. You know. Um, changed my life now here I am helping people but that don't mean you can't get rocked again just mental health is a moving target so you can be fine one day and then get knocked off your square another day um so um uh so I want to give Mangan credit for coming out and a lot of people are going to say you know um what they will right and uh, and they're gonna judge and but um, I'll give you an example of in social work there is uh, what they have you do in social work a lot is uh, ethics classes and you're gonna run into what they call a lot of um, uh, dilemmas ethical dilemmas so one of the cases that they give is a person is seeing a social worker for several years, say a handful of years, five years. And during that time, that person keeps yelling uh, that she's going to commit suicide. And so um, time again, time again, the social worker goes over and she is um, fine. And then so later into this uh, case study, uh, ethical dilemma 
Uh, a little later in the story, the person gets a new client, and this person, the new client, starts screaming that I'm going to ki- commit suicide. So, uh, so she starts the social worker. We'll say it's a he, and the the social worker in the this ethical dilemma, you know, is taking the person um, that's just coming in's word. Uh, that she's going to commit suicide, and what happens in as you go through the case further, the person after the five years finally commits suicide. So there's, you know, you need to pay attention to people every time they say those words, um, and don't take them lightly. Um, I've had the good fortune of going through uh, suicide training, and there's a couple of things never you know never live in a small town never live by yourself in a rural small town area uh with alcohol and a handgun or a gun in your possession that is like the fuel that's you know bad combo actually i what i learned through that was people that lived in very large cities like chicago new york were less likely I would think this the stress of the large city would drive people to um, commit suicide, but actually I got educated that it's isolation and being alone that really um, drives suicide. So you always want to, um, you know, and I want to give you a, a tip here too on how to handle it is to, if somebody says this to you, um, you know, the classic in social work is, do you have a plan, you know, and if you do, how would you do this? And if they can tell you, I'm going to walk to this bridge and I'm going to jump or I have a gun in my drawer, that shit needs to be taken really seriously right in the moment. And, uh, you know, because some people will say, hey, I'm, I'm, I really want to kill myself today. I'm having a miserable day, right? Uh, and then, you know, you want to explore that a little bit further and ask them, you know, those questions. In addition to that, you want to hear them out. Why are you feeling this way? Tell me why you feel like you want to commit suicide. Okay. And they will start telling you, you know, and then, you know, usually when people get to talk about it for a while, that's all their list usually looking for is somebody to hear them. There was a guy uh, that I heard on a, a, a podcast once, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous podcast, where he jumped off the San Francisco Bridge and survived. And not many people do that, and they don't survive it. And so he he is a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and he was able to you know, share a story with everybody nowadays. And he said when he was walking to that bridge, he was just waiting for some person to look into his eyes. And everybody just ignored him. And uh, he, you know, so it's critical for us to look around. And you, you can usually tell by body language who's depressed you know, if somebody's got their head down, their shoulders slumped, you know, versus somebody that's got their head up and smiling, you know, you can usually tell when, uh, you know, somebody's not doing the best. 
Um, I know in group settings, um, when we're doing group therapies, we'll scan the room, you know, and see who's kind of checking out versus who's checking in. And that's the person we need to focus on, you know. So um, if you are struggling with mental health, you should reach out. So I'm eternally grateful to Meghan Markle for being so bold and bringing that on TV and knowing ahead of time because she's a, a smart lady that, you know, there'd be a lot of slings and arrows coming at her. And that's the other thing. That's the really driving force behind this is she got bullied. Even adult people don't want to be bullied. The UK press bullied her so bad that she said she thought she was being picked on just because she took breaths like she took you know and that because you know they were throwing everything at her for just her being her you know like uh which is horrible and deplorable which leads me to another (laughs) book that i wrote um and it's for families with addictions people in recovery Um, It's called the Pre-Addictions Educational Series. It's on Amazon as well. And one of the books I wrote was Amanda uh, teaches, uh, uh, says no to drugs and teaches other kids how to say no to drugs and to, um, you know, stymie bullies, uh, you know. So it's about... uh, uh, other kids empowering other kids and this happened at uh, one of my grandkids grade schools is there was a girl in the fifth grade that was cutting herself she was taking a razor blade to her arms at night and slicing herself and the kids picked up on this in the fifth grade but what was beautiful and I was inspired to write this book and story was The other kids rallied around her and they brought it to the teacher's attention. And now they're all in on it. They're all, you know, uh, when one of us is sick, we're all sick. You know, we need to get each other's back. So, um, uh, you know, that series has got a few other books. One is for uh, people, families that are going through opioid addiction. and so uh, you might want to check those out. So uh, pre-addiction educational series. And uh, one's on self-esteem. The other's just on what addiction is. And uh, But uh, those may be helpful to you. But, the, you know, the greatest thing that came out of Meghan Markle's uh, talk last night uh, was that... Uh, she had the bravery to ask for help. And uh, it, it's powerful stuff. And uh, she couldn't find it in the palace. They weren't helping her. She went to them and said, I'm struggling. And they said, you're not an employee with us, so we can't help you. So they had to go outside. But she was persistent and got the help she needs. Now she's there for her children. And, uh, you know, so... Uh, if somebody says they're suicidal, please take it serious. And, you know, you guys have a wonderful day. Uh, try to empower somebody, lift them up. Um, we're all powerful. We don't have to be 
powerless. If you're having an addiction, be powerless over the drug of choice or the gambling addiction or whatever it is. Be powerless over that, but be powerful in that you can inspire and congratulate and hug and show warmth uh, to people. And uh, so, hey, thanks for hanging out with Grandpa Jim today. And you all have a wonderful, prosperous, uh, inspiring day.